Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Amen. That's our prayer this morning. How many are grateful that God is not done building His church? He's not done building you. He's not done building me. He's not done with us. Come on, let's give Him a round right now. These next uh, upcoming Sundays, we're going to be in a series called In Tuned, looking at the teachings of Jesus throughout the Gospel of Luke. I'm excited for it. I want to encourage you, invite a friend. And if you happen to be new with us, special shout out to you as well. No matter where you are actually tuning in from, we are grateful you're spending your morning with us. So today, I want to encourage you to grab your notes. We're going to read, write, and recite because we're better to retain what God has in store for us. So if you turn your attention to the screen, you'll see this picture that uh, was a, a havoc-filled picture of great devastation, of great loss. This was a photo captured from 2018 when Hurricane Michael hit Mexico Beach, Florida. When uh, this photo went viral, many people were astonished. They weren't astonished because of the devastation. They were astonished because of that one standing house. This caught the eyes and ears of people from New York Times, and they were inquisitive, and they wanted to learn, why did that house stand that storm? So they interviewed Dr. Le LeBron Lackey, the owner of the house, and they asked, how did your house make it and the other homes did not? Her response was simple. She built that house with the big one in mind. She built that house with the big storm in mind. They had 40-foot pilings drilled down to the bedrock. They even thought about the paint choice, the windows, even the placement of the bushes, the placement of the trees, the way the water would flow from the driveway. They thought every little detail about that house. See, the truth of the matter is, no matter where you're at, if you're in this place watching online, a big storm is going to come into your life. Or maybe that storm is already there, maybe it's already passed. Today we're going to be looking at a story where a storm comes through and Jesus speaks about this parable figuratively, but he's warning his people about a storm, his disciples about a storm. Today my question for you is this. What are you putting your trust in when that storm comes? What are you putting your trust in when that storm comes? I love what R.T. Studd, the great uh, British missionary, he says this. He says, two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Today, as we look at Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Plain, found in Luke chapter 6, I want to encourage you to join me, follow along. If you have your Bibles, great. If not, you can follow along on the screen. So we see Jesus' teaching here in Luke chapter 6. It's this parallel account to the Sermon on the Mount. This is known as the Sermon on the Plain. 
Luke, the historian known as the great historian ever to put pen to paper in the Bible, talks about Jesus in a way and gives this note to his, uh, his readers and his listeners, and he takes one-third of what was the Sermon on the Mount, and he condenses it to address people in need. People in need meaning church people. He highlights some incredible, incredible points for us to gather. So join me, Luke chapter 6, verse 43. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. We're familiar with that line. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So Jesus, he just gets done, he ascends to heaven, he, or he ascends to the mountain, excuse me, and he comes back and he descends and, and he comes back and he's teaching on the Sermon on the Plain. And it's interesting because he teaches this with a warning and a promise. And he's teaching to not just an audience of believers, but he's teaching to another layer of believers. He's not teaching to the typical hypocrite, or he's not teaching to the adulterer, or the drunkard, or the thief, or someone who's blatant with their sin. He's teaching to people who think they are all good with God. And Jesus is saying, when you think you're good with God, you need to examine, really, your standing. And he continues the closing statements he makes on the Sermon on the Plain. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on a solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is built well. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So Jesus, he's given us this warning. So there's so many individuals that think, hey, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm serving God. I don't have to ever examine anything that's taking place in my life. But when we look at what Jesus is saying, he's saying when we're in that moment, when we're in that thought process, is when we need to lean in and really look at our hearts and look at our minds. We call these people who think they're okay self-deceived. So today I want to give you three traits of a self-deceived religious person. We call this the warning. Three traits. Now, I'm not a botanist by any means. I know grass is green, typically, unless it's dead. I know trees are trees. I can say there's a pointy and prickly palm tree, and I can say there's a smooth palm tree. That's the level of what I know about plants. Now, when you think about it, maybe you're like me. You're really good when it comes to the study of plants whenever you see an orange hanging from a tree, right? We call that an orange tree, right? When we see a lemon hanging from a tree, we call that what? A lemon tree, right? When we see a mango hanging from a what? A tree. We call that what? A tree, right? A mango tree. When we see grapes hanging from a tree, we call that 
No, we don't call that not a we don't call that a tree. We call that a vine. We see blueberries. They come from shrubs. They come from bushes. Now my three-year-old even understands that. My three-year-old grasps that. He says orange tree. He equates that. See, the first one I want to talk to you is about this. When it comes to the traits of a self-deceived religious person, is one they don't bear spiritual fruit. There should be this overfilling amount of evidence about the fruit and about the way you live your life. Jesus is teaching that when he says in Luke chapter 6, 43, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. There is clear, tangible evidence. There should be evidence in our life of our radical encounter with our Savior, Jesus Christ. When I ask you, is there evidence in your life that you are made new with Jesus, this is what I'm asking. I'm asking this, do you have a growing love for Jesus? If you look back at your life a year ago, is it different than it is now? When I ask you if you have a growing evidence, is this, do you desire to be with him? When Jesus is saying, is there fruit in your life, we need to look and self-examine our hearts, our minds, and where we are at. Do we want to spend time with our Creator? Do you have a growing dislike for sin? A growing dislike for sin. I, I can remember uh, when I was in my early 20s, um, my choice of music was quite different. I could tolerate some music with some messages in it that I don't approve of now. I could tolerate some music that maybe had a word or two that I don't allow in my house right now. There is this change from the music I used to listen to to the music that I now engage in. It's this, what I call a refining process that God take, that took my heart and he shaped my heart to understand that maybe you're here in this place and there's some things going on in your life and you're looking and you're exploring the fruit of your life. Are you examining your life, your heart, the fruit that you are putting up with or the fruit that you are enjoying? When we come to self-examination, we need to say, do I have a growing dislike for that sinning that's taking place? What am I engaging with on my phone? What am I looking at online? What am I watching on TV? It's that fruit we need to evaluate. Do we desire to see our church grow if there's evidence that you are made new by Jesus? And we're looking at a really tough portion of Scripture that makes people who say, I'm all right with God, I got nothing to worry about, to really take a step back and say, I should really evaluate my standing. See, do you desire to see the church grow both evangelistically and spiritually? There's always this, this, this argument for the ages. Do I dig the well deep or do I dig many wells? I'm saying it's both. If you have a lot of wells dug deep, then ground is going to be taken for God's kingdom. Is there evidence that we're made new with Jesus? Tangible ways we can mark that we are made new with Jesus. This evidence, this fruit that Jesus is mentioning about is are we passionate to pursue lost people? What do our coworkers say about us? What does our lost family members say about us? Do they say there's something new? There's something different about you? I want what you have. I'm interested in what you are about. 
tangible ways where we see evidence of being made new with Jesus. Friends outside of our church, do they say, there's something different about you, Jim. There's something different about you, Blake. Because the fruit of the tree or the foundation in which you build. So the warning continues. Jesus goes into verse 46 and he says, they don't obey Jesus. Number two for us is they don't obey Jesus. Now remember, I think it's very essential that we always keep in mind exactly who Jesus is talking about in the context of Scripture. He's not talking to some audience. Now there's a great crowd there. When you look back in in Luke chapter 6 verse 20, there's a great crowd. But really, if you look at verse 20, it says this. It says, then Jesus turned to his disciples So it's almost like Jesus focuses on 12 men right in front of him, and then an audience is surrounding him. They're eavesdropping on what Jesus is communicating in this message. When it comes to three traits of self-deceived religious people, is Jesus is leaning into his disciples and say they don't obey his teachings. See, capture this. I, I, I want to highlight this for people who are maybe younger, because I, I think it's being lost in culture and in an American culture where I, I believe this and it's been spoken into my life and I believe it through and through that the greatest tell if someone is obedient to Jesus is how well they're obedient to their human authority. I want to say that again. I find the greatest tell if someone is obedient to Jesus is how well they're obedient to their human authority. How is their attitude toward who's over them? How do they treat that person to who is over them? How are they responding? How are they living with that person who is over them? So it's it's really easy to maybe listen to someone where you can tangibly get the exact words said, where they can demonstrate exactly what they expect, where they can show you and tell you what needs to change or what you need to do. If it's easier doing that, then it's really going to be challenging if we can't take advice or obedience or, or, or guidance from someone we cannot see. So I think sometimes we get hung up and we get mixed up and we say, hey, I can obey Jesus, but then we struggle over here to obey someone who is right in front of us. I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you are going through, how is your posture towards your authority? Jesus goes in Luke 6, 46, he says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? See, there's this difference, this parallel passage in Matthew and Luke. Matthew focuses on the site location, the, gra- the rock or the sand. Luke right here in his account is highlighting what is taking place on the site. See, often religious people we look at Jesus as an emergency exit, a fire escape, a genie in the body, and we're, or a genie in a bottle, and we're not really fully surrendering every area of our life. Are we obeying Jesus when it comes to our relationships? Should I be engaged in this relationship? Should I be partaking in this relationship? Or maybe when it comes to some moral issues in our life, we say, "Uh, you know, it's just the weekend, I can justify doing a little bit of this, when really I know I should be doing this because that's what God's word says, but I mean, I can get by. And we justify it. 
See, when Jesus speaks this, it's pretty pointed towards people like us that are in this room watching online that are saying we're committed followers of who God is. But I want to encourage you with this. Jesus is Lord of it all, or he's not Lord at all. Jesus is Lord over it all, or he's not Lord at all. So, self-deceived religious people, they one, bear no spiritual fruit, or two, they don't obey Jesus. And three, the warning that Jesus gives in the very final statement is this, their faith is destroyed in the storm. See, what's interesting about houses is you can't see the foundation on which they are built. I showed you that photo, right? You can't see the foundation of that beautiful house. It might look appealing. It might have the square footage. It might have the perfect landscape, but we don't really know what's under Neath. When Jesus is speaking to this group of people, he is saying, what's taking place in your heart? What's that character that only he can see taking place in your heart? And his closing statement says this, he says, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground. There's no examination of that soil. Without a foundation, when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. When Jesus is the foundation, you can withstand any storm. When Jesus is the foundation, you will be encouraged. You, when you are down and out, you will be able to not say, hey, I need Jesus to escape the storm, but you'll say, I need Jesus to be on that boat with me to get me through the storm. See, your destiny is not determined by what you say you believe, but what your life demonstrates you believe. Matthew 7, we see this parallel account that I think that whenever we look at these passages, I almost take a, a, an aghast when I read this because I'm like, it, it encourages, it challenges us to daily examine my life, examine your life. In the very account that Jesus teaches over here in Matthew, it says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who actually will do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, will say to me, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied. In other words, we preached about you. In your name, we cast out demons. We did good works on behalf of you. Your kingdom has taken ground in your name, and you performed many miracles in your name. It's interesting, that's, it's hard, it's, it's uncomfortable to listen to that. Jesus, we've given us our, your whole life, but are you saying that there's some of us that aren't going to make it? That's exactly what Jesus is saying. The theology might be right. He says, Lord, Lord, they might have the same zeal and passion and even do the works of the church, but still, he goes on in Matthew chapter 7, 23, he says, but I will apply, I never knew you, Get away from me, you who break God's laws. See, the hard truth is this. Not everyone who calls Jesus Lord actually belongs to Jesus. Just because you say the words doesn't mean you changed your ways. The faith you've saved has radically, the faith that saved you has to radically change your life. 
So then the question we have to ask ourselves, Pastor Blake, this is, you're giving us some warnings here. What do I do? Like this is kind of alarming because these passages are real. They're hitting us in our face right between the eyes. What do we do? The Apostle Paul gives us some instruction, and I believe it's in a daily, a daily instruction. It's found in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and it's this. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Every day, Lord, may I live a life that is pleasing to you. Today we're going to do something a little different, and I'm going to ask you to examine your life right now. Today, how do you need to embrace Jesus? How do you need to evaluate your life? How do you need to examine your heart? How do you need to say, Jesus, come into my life when we plead? Maybe you are sitting in here and you know that you should start a relationship with God through Jesus. Or maybe you're in here and you're saying, I need to really examine some of the issues that are taking place in my life. These warnings, I don't want to be one of those people that hear it but miss what Jesus is saying. I want to be one of those people that hear Jesus and apply his teaching. See, Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So I'm going to ask every head to bow and eye to be closed. Maybe you're sitting in here and in your heart posture, maybe you want to say it to yourself. Maybe you need to say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I want to declare you as my Savior. And the scripture says, you are saved, that your destiny is now made different, that your destination is now been moved. Or maybe you're in here right now and you're thinking to yourself, I know there's some issues that I need to examine in my life. I want to encourage you, examine and take a real look at some of those items. Let's pray. Lord, right now, there are those individuals in this place that are going through a storm. You teach us about some serious warnings in your message of the Sermon on the Plain, and we looked at those warnings. And Lord, I I think we always have to have a full understanding of your goodness and your greatness. Lord, let us see the warning signs. Let us understand those signs. Let us apply those signs. May we yield to those signs. Lord, I pray first for those who are examining their hearts and their minds and their standing with you. May you show them what needs to come to the surface. Lord, right now I also pray for those individuals who are declaring to make you the Lord of their life. Lord, give them a boldness. Give them persistence. Let them not settle. Let them not just be okay where they're at, but may they engage full-hearted as we are learning about today. Lord, let them see the warning signs. Let them heed the warning signs and let them apply the warning signs. Lord, specifically a blessing on those who made a decision for you today. In your great and holy name, we all say in this room and online, amen.
Now here's the thing, if maybe you made that decision right now, I wanna encourage you right out in our lobby, we have a communication card that you can fill out. Give us your information. We wanna be alongside you in this faith journey because life is better together and you can't do it by yourself. But today I didn't wanna leave you with all these warning signs and not come back to the promise that Jesus gives us. The promise is found in verse 47. It says this, and we've already read it. It says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, Jesus' teaching. They listen and listens to my teaching and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built church we can be well built i believe that that no matter what relationship hardship you're going through no matter what financial crisis you're going through when we build our foundation on who jesus is we can withstand any storm i want to leave you with this story josiah elliott he was a great north carolina preacher preached for approximately 50 years 50 years he built his foundation upon Jesus' teaching, so much so that five times he mortgaged his house to send young men away to faith Bible training. Five times those young ministers came back and they paid back that mortgage. Josiah Smith Elliott, when, whenever he was there on his final days, he couldn't do much, he was bedridden. A lot of people asked him, were you concerned that you wouldn't be able to make ends meet? And he goes, I wasn't concerned about that. All I was concerned about was continuing to do what Jesus instructed him to do and to trust in Jesus. So people would come to his bedside and they would believe in his ministry impacted thousands of lives. They would come to him and he would lay hands on him and pray when he couldn't get out of bed. They would come to him and he would bless them and he would encourage them when he couldn't do anything. And ever since it's recounted time and time again, Josiah Elliott never went hungry, always had shelter, and continued to live out the life God in, instructed and instituted in his life. Church, if there's anything we can gather today, is this, that life is going to give us a storm a time or two. Let's listen to the warnings. Let's build upon the foundation that Jesus lives us. Let's make it through. And for that, we can declare, he's going to build his church. So here's our hope for you. One, that you begin a relationship with Jesus by making him your foundation. No matter where you're at, we pray to salvation prayer. I want to encourage you again, fill out a communication card. And then two is this, as a believer, you embrace a faith that declares Jesus Lord and demonstrates Jesus as Lord. I'm passionate about this because I believe Jesus' teaching are life-changing, life-giving. And I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, you have a Savior, and His name is Jesus. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're in a close and a reflective time of song. And before we do that, I want to pray over you. Lord, right now, I pray that you just continue to minister to our hearts and our minds and our souls as we are encouraged from your teaching in Luke chapter 6. 
Lord, may we bear fruit that is pleasing to you. Lord, may we examine our lives. May we obey you, Lord. May we also be people that continue, that continue to build our life upon your goodness and your greatness and your words. For those in here are going through a challenging moment, give them encouragement. Bless their lives. In your great name, we all say, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.